0: Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. Welcome to another episode. Today, we're joined by Akin Sullivan, she is an associate professor of marketing at CSU Channel Island. And Akin, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do?
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Akin Pehlivan. I am an associate professor of marketing, as Andy mentioned, and I've been at CSUCI uh, since 2014 now. Uh, I focus specifically on communication strategies and work mostly in the brand strategy area, although I do have a lot of research in other areas like digital advertising and uh, consumer culture. And today I would like to talk about some of the stuff that we're doing at school uh, at California State University Channel Islands.
0: Yeah, and obviously this podcast is being recorded during um, the height of coronavirus and a lot of schools are still trying to figure out how what exactly that means for the semester. With that being said, who would you say is a primary and a secondary stakeholder to your position?
1: My primary stakeholders are always the students. Students are at the center of everything that we do as a higher education institution at CSUCI. Um, But more specifically, personally for me, that is where majority of my efforts and my time is spent with my students. I would also say that we do have secondary stakeholders for our university. Of course, everyone that is part of the campus is a secondary stakeholder. Um, Our faculty, staff, administration, but also our campus partners who are nonprofit organizations and for-profit organizations that are located in Ventura County are always part of our campus and we love having them.
0: Yeah, and why don't you tell us a little bit more about those partners and how you're involved with them?
1: Sure, absolutely. I believe since 2015 I have been teaching these hands on classes at CSUCI and when I say hands on classes I mean we take these um, take problems that are specific to marketing and business in classes that uh, usually small businesses and nonprofit organizations face and we try to help them with those problems uh, in student groups and it's a it's a communal learning environment. Um, I consider it a self-organized learning environment because I'm there as a facilitator and not necessarily a teacher. And uh, this year, right after COVID hit, we actually turned this program that I used to implement in my classes into a a university-wide program that we're calling micro-internships where students are working with these small companies as well as nonprofit institutions to help them on similar issues and similar problems. Uh, but this time they're doing it as an internship where they're getting paid uh, to work in teams under my supervision so that they can learn how to do certain things before they hit their first job. Uh, But also, they're helping these small businesses who are struggling during this time of COVID to move their operations to a digital platform and to market digitally. So hopefully, we have a mutually beneficial relationship, uh, both for the students and for our community partners.
0: Yeah, and I've actually had a pleasure of being part of those uh, classes. And I have to say, they were like very, they affected me very heavily, especially not knowing what marketing was and just thinking madman originally, and that's what it was going to be like. Um, (laughs) It really opened up my eyes, and I have you to thank for it, honestly. It's also really interesting. I just talked with Julia Goron from HubSpot, and I know you two are familiar. Her pursuit is a little bit more like she's trying to get into the classroom with HubSpot as a way to educate the students on modern technology. So it's really cool to see.
1: That's that's a great point, and we're seeing that with a lot more um, companies these days. They are trying to create their own academies or their own training programs, and they reach out to colleges and universities like ours to see if there are partnership opportunities. Uh, CSUCI AMA chapter has been chosen to be one of uh, 14, I believe, campuses that will be partnering with HubSpot. We are also one of nine campuses that is partnering with the Trade Desk to be able to use and learn from their platforms. We're trying to actually explore other partnerships that are similar to this with Adobe, um, Salesforce. So in the long run, hopefully we will have a lot more cross-pollination between the industry and what you need to learn for the specific industries that you're interested in, and the college education that we hope gets you to not your first job, but your last job, right? That's the goal of college education, to prepare you for your last job where you are the CMO.
0: <laughs> it's a good goal. I really I really appreciate that. And have you identified between students and partners and everyone else that you kind of mentioned between who would be a primary and who would be a secondary stakeholder?
1: yes uh, for especially this new program that we started our primary stakeholders are still our students that's our first goal and with our primary stakeholders what we're trying to accomplish is i believe at least twofold if not threefold the first thing is we're trying to make sure that they feel prepared for their first job because we know that you guys can do it but we find that you guys don't feel ready to do it so hopefully this is um This is warming the waters a little bit so that you test it out and you figure out what you like before you have to apply for that first job and do something. So that's my primary stakeholder still. And uh, in this specific context, the secondary stakeholder would be the community partners, mostly the business and nonprofits, uh, because we do want to help them, especially these days, but in general as well, to provide them with really research and data-driven decisions that are related to marketing, Uh, depending on which school you're coming from, and with with school I don't mean an actual university, I mean a school of thought, you might have a different perspective on how you should do marketing. You might choose to do it from a very creative standpoint and try out a lot of things, or you could try to do it using data-informed decision-making platforms and and processes. So we're trying to hopefully marry those two in, in one program and provide both our secondary stakeholders which are the businesses and, and nonprofits, but also our students from you know, with both of those perspectives
0: yeah and i mean in my opinion you're doing a great job now do you find that those groups generally have people or stakeholders they're more passive than others and how what do you do to really try and reel them in to try to get their voice heard
1: that's a great question um In the recent changes, in the recent six months, I would say the stakeholders, especially on the student side who have been quieter, our primary stakeholders, have been a lot more alive and a lot more engaged. Um, I believe that is due to this transition to virtual that we all had to get used to. Um, It cleared some communication channels or some communication hurdles that were perhaps Um, in front of us previously so yes we do have challenges in bringing together these different types of stakeholders in one program Um, however I hate to say it this way but the truth is because we are all digital right now uh, it actually I think helped us create a lot more communication and and a real feel of a digital community a virtual community Um, some of the stakeholders that are I guess less involved and perhaps not uh, not mentioned previously are our mentors and our faculty who are supervising these uh, projects. Our mentors are usually our alumni and uh, some of our company representatives, kind of like Julia, that you also um, talked to. Uh, we also have mentors who have graduated recently or a few years ago who are giving back to campus by providing help to the students who are dealing with specific issues that might be relevant to their areas. I think those two stakeholders are the probably the quietest ones. They are the ones that need um, a lot more engagement and, you know, a lot more invitation to join to join this community. The students and the community partners are always very active because they are seeking something that's very clear and concrete for them, I think. The students are seeking the experience and the community partners are seeking the outcome of what the experience will bring. So they are always very active and engaged.
0: So you mentioned that students have a hard time kind of believing in themselves and that's kind of a main goal of what you're trying to achieve. Have you found that there's a specific tactic that works outside of the experiential learning that you have already been uh, doing?
1: I mean, encouragement always works, right? I think that's a given. Um, But I find that letting people play with something completely on their own right, without looking at what they're doing. And then meeting up with them and and trying to parse out any problems is the best antidote to to, um, (laughs) self-deprecating perceptions. So um, what I try to do, especially in this micro-internship, is really to create specific tasks. So those tasks are specific enough that I can write it write it in a in a in an email to you or just tell you what it is and then you go and explore and try to figure out for yourself before you come back at the end of that that week with all of your challenges and all of your problems that you faced so you make mistakes we all learn from that failure because I don't know everything nobody knows everything right the idea is that we do things and then if we run into issues we figure out together and I've been learning a lot throughout this process as well. So I would say that I don't have a magic wand. <laughs> I think it really is just taking a chance in a, in a controlled and safe environment and failing in a safe environment so that you, you know better next time.
0: I, I know 100% that I learned like this. And uh, honestly, you put kind of like... The foot down a few times and I was like, oh, okay, that's not right. I have to learn. <laughs> um, do you find that there are students that um, maybe need some influence from other people more than um, just kind of like listening to the professor say, like some people need to hear it from someone else and if so, who are those people?
1: Absolutely. I think the best learning is when you start teaching others. You cannot learn just by hearing things. That does not work. Or reading things, really. Um, So in the micro-internship, we are trying to incorporate this in multiple levels. Um, One of the levels is the students who are in these teams teaching each other after they learn something, and uh, I really like seeing that. I really enjoy just watching somebody, another student who just learned something, teach it to another student who is going to learn it or do it. Um, And in a small group of students, this is much easier to do. There's a lot more um, overlapping and and shadowing when we're doing research, especially, or when we're learning tools. Um, So far, that has been how we all learned. I mean, you know, one student learned a specific tool to do a specific task, and then the next team who was going to do the same task basically reached out to that student who have done it in the past and just asked for guidance and help. And and uh, I just listen to to what they teach me, so I learn with them, which is amazing. The second group of people who really help our learning are our, our industry mentors, I would have to say. Our industry mentors are people who have been working, so they have different types of experience than all of us do. Um, They have been working in these very specialized areas, so they focus on one thing and go deep into that thing rather than knowing a lot of things uh, in a very superficial way. So if a student has something that is very specific to a specific task or, or a role in an agency or a company, we get in contact with our industry mentors and ask them that specific question. And they usually guide us in the best way possible by talking about their own experiences, right? It's not a talking head of the professor who's maybe reiterating some some textbook or something that they've read in the research. It is some someone who has experience and reflecting on that experience to tell you what they did right, what they did wrong and what they learned from it. Those types of um, learning, and I don't know if people call that education, but I do, I think are the ones that stick with you the most. The stories that people tell about what they learned and how they failed. It also makes you feel like failure is okay. You can fail and still be successful because you have an experience in front of you that has been talking about those failures and also the successes that they achieved. So I'm hoping that it will grow into this community of people who are you know, peers of each other sharing anything that they learned on the same platform.
0: No, and I imagine you, you you mentioned the story and how you remember that. I, I imagine it's very similar to how you have those techniques. You remember your ABCs or the Doremes or whatever it was when you were yes. a child, and you tell like a little silly story to remember it. And it's very much like that. And I've come to realize that as I grow older, that everything's a story, and the more you retell it, the more it kind of sticks with you.
1: Right, um, that's true.
0: That's, that's a very good point. Now, as far as CSU Channel Islands, do they participate in any CSR initiatives? Obviously, they're a not-for-profit, they're a part of the government, so they are sort of a CSR themselves, com- company altogether, but is there anything specific that stands out to you that maybe you want to point out specifically?
1: So, California State University is a public university, and the main mission is to serve their um, their regions of service. Our region of service composes of Ventura County, Santa Barbara County and parts of LA County as well, as long as we have interested students. Um, and we are a mission driven organization. We are a mis- mission driven educational institution, which means everything that we do is part of our social responsibility. Um, the university engages in a lot of community work uh, in Ventura County in different levels. Um, I know, for instance, just as an example, since we talked about storytelling, uh, just recently a group of students worked on uh, homelessness in Ventura County and find, fa- tried to found, find out um, ways uh, that could be uh, facilitated through economics in the, in the county and presented it to a group of 600 people um, who are policymakers, legislators, uh, community leaders, so, these are the types of engagements that the university has throughout the year with very different stakeholders. I don't know all of them, but I knew that there I know for a fact that there are multiple versions of these activities that are happening all around campus.
0: And obviously, these are all extracurricular activities, correct?
1: Yes, these are all extracurricular activities, and some of them are, um, student engagements, and some of them are done by faculty, administration, or staff. I know there's another one coming up very soon um, with two faculty members who are focusing on African-American uh, artists uh, and their contributions to, to the U.S. culture. That That is a community event, for instance, yet another one um, that is meant to uh, bring this type of discussion and discourse to Ventura County. Um, these are these are extracurricular events for students, but they are also co-curricular events. They follow what we aspire to teach or are currently teaching um, so that we can supplement your classroom learning, you know, with those types of events that are not inside the classroom and maybe stick with you more after you graduate.
0: And, and you know, a thought just came to me as you were talking about that. It, the way you're talking about this is that you're, approaching this, it is very stakeholder theory related just because you're not trying to make a graduation farm out of your classes. You're trying to actually give back value to your customers slash students who are paying you money to actually go out and get a job instead of just appeasing whoever might want you to be a graduation farm, basically. So, that, that, that's really cool. The it's, it's co-curricular activities create this environment for people to succeed. I really like that. In, in my opinion as well, you are a very giving person. You care a lot about your students. Thank you. But it's, somewhere along the way, there has to have been some kind of like a moral battle within you. And i ask this of everyone. It's like, have you ever fallen victim to the separation fallacy? Basically, the idea that business decisions are amoral and that ethical decisions can't possibly make their way into business? And would you be able to dive into a little bit more if you have?
1: I think we all fall into that fallacy when we are in our default state. So um, if we are just going with intuition, I think that's the basic intuition that most of us have. That's how we have been acculturated. That's how have we have been socialized in, in our society. So um I can, I can think of multiple examples, especially from my classes actually, where we're discussing, there's um, there's there's a there's an assignment that I really like in my class, Rory Sutherland's TED Talk, uh, where we discuss ethics of creating intangible value. And in that discussion, I find both myself and my students falling into that fallacy regularly, right? We say, okay, the customer is supposed to have the information, they're supposed to be the one that knows what is right and what is wrong. Um, it is not the marketer's job to have a moral stance in in terms of what they are trying to communicate. Um, I also, though, sometimes, hopefully, bring in my systems to thinking, <laughs> put my hat on to think a little bit deeply about this. And I actually believe that they are interwoven quite a bit. I think... Um, corporate social responsibility especially is very much interwoven with your public relations efforts because public relations is a marketing tool that we use so that we can build positive citizenry in in our community as as a as a company right so what we're trying to do is really foster goodwill and the best way to foster goodwill is to be a good citizen of the community that you're already in. So the idea is that you're not, you don't have these two separate person, personalities as a company. You don't have this ethical CSR personality that gives, you know, scholarships and does all of these events with other nonprofits, and then you have this cutthroat, you know, very um, strong and aggressive business acumen. That's not how it works. It actually works together very well, if you can mesh them together and make it part of who you are as an essence, as your value system as a company, then you don't have to have that separation. It's just part of who you are already. So you just act the way that your values guide you and you find yourself in a situation where you don't have that separation in your mind. It's not easy to get there, but I think with reflection and deep thought, um, leaders of tomorrow like yourself, Actually, are there or getting there very fast. So I'm I'm excited for the future.
0: Yeah, and that's a really important concept that uh, Dr. R. Edward Freeman, he's basically the godfather of the stakeholder mm-hmm. theory, um, talked about in a recent book where he talks about how corporate social responsibility is almost a very vague term, and he coined the phrase company stakeholder responsibility because. First off, corporate is very broad and like it's like, so it's, it's only the big corporations can participate. No, everyone can participate here and social can also be very vague. But what you can do is a, for your stakeholders is that you can actually think uh, pre-revenue before your revenue comes in, how can you actually do the most good? And I think that's such an important uh, concept, exactly what you're saying, because most people UCSR is kind of PR, and yeah. in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, just like yours, that's kind of the wrong way to go about it.
1: <laughs> I completely agree, and you know, we're actually seeing a shift in all disciplines in that direction, where we're combining our um, our ethical principles with our business acumen. Uh, I see that in uh, you know a very basic example, Kotler recently. Uh, not really that recently actually, published uh, Marketing 3.0, which focuses specifically on how to be good citizens as companies um, and give back to the society and gain from that as a company as well. You don't have to just compromise. You actually would be adding value to who you are if you are adopting these ethical principles. So I really like the way that you put it. Yeah, I completely agree with that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. And Aiken, I really want to thank you for being a guest today. Um, It's always a pleasure talking with you, uh, being my professor, to now continue teaching me Um, (laughs) post-graduation. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we uh, end off today?
1: As always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, what I really want to say to your listeners is that life is full of opportunities the ones that you take even if you fail at them will always stay with you they will be what you remember at the end of your days um, so don't be afraid <laughs> don't be afraid to take chances try out stuff and then fail at it because there will always be a, a different time when you can ex- you know, expand and do
0: it better very well said thank you very much again and I will see the rest of you in the next episode